0: LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen.
1: Morning, Steve Allen here with you. This Sunday morning, coming up at 6. It's in conversation. This week, I'm joined by Strictly Come Dancing star Lisa Riley, who will be telling us about her new show, penned by Craig Revel Hallwood. It's called Strictly Confidential. And actor Matthew Reese, who's set to be the new Mr. Darcy. But first we got my best bits from the week. And this week, the sun finally arrived in London, so we started the show on Monday by talking about the searing heat. Warm, dry, long sunny periods. Does that sound like the kind of weather that you want to hear? Yes. Does it sound like the kind of weather you want to stand on a packed tube train and suffer in? No. Aren't you glad you booked a holiday? Yes, Clive, who works here, is going off to Vegas, so... It's going to be very hot in Vegas. I would burn to pieces in Vegas. But I think I did have a hat on all the time in Vegas. I think I spent most of it... Every time I walked outside the hotel, psh, hat on. Anything just to, just to save being burnt. But uh, front of the Daily Mail, it's a very interesting question, actually. How soon is too soon for a widow to fall in love again? How soon is too soon? I can remember, and my brother and I had this, had this conversation... Uh, ages and ages ago, and you might have had a similar conversation in your phone if you went through the same sort of thing. If if one or other of your parents dies, do you ever, ever think, what would happen if they found somebody else? Would you take to somebody else coming into the family? So, in other words, after my dad died, it was a case of, you know, you feel desperately sorry for your mum because she's alone, and then you think, how would you feel if she found somebody else? And to be honest with you, and I know it's terribly self... I didn't, I didn't fancy the idea at all. I, really, I wouldn't fancy it, but I realise that some people need to be in a relationship. My mum actually was, was quite good. I d- I mean, She certainly hadn't had lots of relationships before she met my dad. You know, one, if that. And so it's a case of when you've been with somebody all your life and then that person dies, you then kind of got to pick yourself up. And it's really difficult. There's people listening probably at the moment who sort of hate these hours of the morning and thank God for LBC because otherwise you sit there staring out the window. It's a horrible, horrible time. It's horrible. I know. I know what it's like. I know what my mum went through. You know, for no reason, she just burst into tears. It was because you've just had something, and then it's not like somebody's moved away abroad or something like that. They have gone, and it's it's very difficult to come to terms with. But how soon is it for somebody to to get together with somebody else, especially if you've got children? I personally didn't didn't fancy the idea. But if my mother had said, "Oh, I found somebody," you know, and then I I would have had to have gone along with it, I suppose. Because you can't really stop somebody's happiness. So we might come round to it a little bit later on. Here's Angelina Jolie beaming... They've said a red carpet return. I don't think so. It was black, the carpet, wasn't it? They were very keen to specify she went down the black carpet. Is it because it's a zombie flick? I don't like zombie flicks. I don't know what they are, actually. Look at Brad Pitt's long hair. It's unbelievable, isn't it? This is all Leicester Square. I love seeing Leicester Square when you think... Because it's just outside our window. I think we've been quite lucky seeing all these people assembling everything. It's good. Greg Wallace was on Room 101 last week. Steve, wanting old people who are too slow using cash machines to be dumped in Room 101. Will he be the first victim? I think just people who make a fool of themselves, I think, that you could dump him there. Uh, apparently, uh, Bobby was on TOWIE. Oh, dear, I can't bear Bobby on TOWIE. There's an embarrassment of the First Order. I mean, really, he must be so desperately lonely. He must be the only gay walking around Brentwood all by himself. He didn't appear to have any friends, apart from a few straight people. Um, Apparently, um, Barbara Streisand swears by. You know, to keep the ageing process at bay, and everybody does, you get to a certain age, you think, oh, dear, I look completely different now. And so she swears by sunscreen, which is good. So if you're going out this week... It's a case of sunscreen, especially if you've got kids as well. And I think they're all back at school now. I think we've had the half-term bit, so they're all back at school, which is great fun. And now that we're losing Doctor Who, yes, as Matt Smith announces he's stepping down, they're now saying, could it be a woman? Don't be so ridiculous. Don't be so ridiculous. So they've put the usual names in the frames. Ruth Jones, Billy Piper, Miranda Hart, Sue Perkins... I suppose, you know, you could also put in Helen Mirren, Joanna Lumley, any of these sort of people. But no, Doctor Who's a man. Doctor Who's a man. It's not a woman. I'm not, I'm not subscribing to this quasar, you know, let's be politically correct and say it could be a woman as well. No, it's a man. It's as simple as that. And even Christopher Stevens says here, anybody but a woman, anybody. It's like a dog, Doctor Who. Perhaps it could be just a, a change shaper. Or something like that, but uh, I, as I've never actually seen Doctor Who with any of these new, I'm, I go back to the early ones, the Patrick Troutons and people like that, and they were the ones I liked, and we did watch it. But then, as you grow older, you you tend not to you tend not to watch Doctor. I couldn't care less about Doctor Who anymore. It's it's neither frightening nor nor educational nor interesting. It was only interesting in the early days. I did just buy a DVD from America, and I bought it because I thought I was buying something. Sorry, I thought I was buying something new, and it's uh, the cast of Grace Brothers, and it's the Are You Being Served? And so the title is, Are You Being Served Again? And I thought, well, I, better, I haven't seen this one. Perhaps it was only available in America. And uh, it arrived today, the complete series, two-disc disc set, 12 episodes. I thought, what, there was a follow-up to Are You Being Served Again? And then I suddenly read the sticker that's on the front of it, also known as... Grace and Favour, which is where they, they took the, you know, after the elderly Mr Grace died, they then took the cast and thought, what can we do with them? So I think they did Grace and Favour. I think they did Oh, uh, Dr Beeching as well, which I bought, which is quite good, because it it reunited everybody uh, from either Heidi High or from Are You Being Served Again? Because the writers just liked these people, and they were great characters. But when you look at the, the list, we don't have them anymore. Most of these people on the front are gone. It's really terrible. But uh, in this particular uh, box set, Molly Sugden, not with us anymore. John Inman, not with us. Wendy Richard, not with us. Um, Billy Bird. I can't remember Billy Burden, Fleur Bennett. I can I remember Fleur Bennett. Joanne Haywood, written, of course, by uh, Jeremy Lloyd, David Croft. But really, really good stuff, actually. Really good stuff. So I like a bit of nostalgic television. But on the subject of Doctor Who, no, a man, please. And also, can we have somebody who can sort of run the course? Most of them appear not to be able to run the course, I'm afraid. Uh, Paul says, in Manchesterford, I did manage this year to stay away from the delights of Britain's Got Talent until the live semi-finals. In this way, I managed to stop away from the usual doing-this-for-my-dead-dog-and-granny syndrome. However... Even I thought you were having a laugh when Francine, I had my own gig on Channel 4, Lewis, lurched into view. Good as she is and I've seen better, I was still under the illusion they're looking for new talent. Well, that's what I thought. Notice there are also only a couple of acts Simon stood up for at the end, Miss Lewis and the Shadow Act being two of them. I thought the other act deserved it better. Am I being cynical, thinking that the victory from Francine is already in the bag? Oh, you can almost see it, can't you? You can almost see it. She's going to be a big star, says Simon. This, you know, she's been around the block and then some. He says, I'm no prude, by the way, but I found Simon plonking a kiss on uh, Miss Holden's posterior more offensive than the tired old bromance joke between Simon and Mr Walliams. Do we have a watershed anymore? He says, any chance of you giving your Dick Van Dyke cockney impersonation this morning? You already have the boater, he says, and the flannels, in the listener's mind, at least. It is true. God blimey, Mary Poppins, up on the roof. Let's jump into a chalk painting. You know, (laughs) step in time, step in time. It's designed to be a television programme. They're designed to try and get an audience. So Francine Lewis, you know, if if they concentrate more and there's loads of bits in the paper, it's all the publicity machine that, that wanders in, isn't it? It goes on and on and on. Did you see Gary Lineker's brother? What a nasty character. Made his debut on TOWIE and did himself no favours by insulting a woman, saying she's ugly. I think he needs to look to his own family first. I mean, the man's a buffoon, isn't he? A complete buffoon. Isn't he, um... He's a, he's a, a bankrupt, he's, he's also got a bit of history. Not pleasant. Uh, I did see an audience that never was with Les Dawson lo- using the latest hologram technology. The celebs in the audience looked as if they were seeing a ghost. Um, well, they were, because it was a show that never happened. It was too many sh- It was too many shots away in the audience to his ex-wife. Every five minutes, it was cutting back to the ex-wife again, presumably because the celeb count was a bit thin on the ground who sat there. And did you notice that it was the fake celebs when they were doing the over-the-shoulders shots? There was nobody famous there at all. Uh, and then it was the other celebs that they sort of put in to watch it. It was very interesting watching Les Dawson, but I'm sure that there was something in the back of my mind. I can't remember. Did Ian Dale have a row with Les Dawson's widow? Of something in the back of my mind kind of jogged me in that direction, I kept thinking about it, thinking, I'm sure there was something that Ian Dale did on his program about about Les Dawson's widow, and I can't remember what it was. might have been a book or something i don't know i don't, I don't got that completely wrong, but I'm just sort of thinking about it the other day actually uh anyway, just got uh, a check up yesterday. private medical insurance is a boon, says junior. I put on £8 and still in full remission. Turkey did my health wonders. See, bit of sunshine. That's why people go sit by the seaside. That sea air does you, you know, the best. It really is. Uh, I spent all weekend trying to find quintessentially British gifts to take to America for my friends and staying. But it came up empty, says Nick. Can you recommend any good gift shops or items? No, because everything you buy here, you can buy over there. I would suggest a tin of uh, shortbread but you can buy short, but it's it's not like you go to a third world country. When you go to see people over there, everything that we've got here, they have department stores. Unless they're in the back of Beyond, they've got everything. It's like, you know, if you want... I remember once, the thing I used to bring back from um, Austria, when I used to come back, uh, was these Mozart Krugel. And they're like Ferrero Rocher over there. They're everywhere. They do gift sets, box sets, you name it, they do it. And I used to bring those back without realising you could walk into Selfridges and buy the things. So you don't need to to worry anymore there's nothing that you can take abroad to somebody that is quintessentially british unless it's i mean i'm I i can not think of anything off the top of my head a piece of lace from Nottingham kind of thing, but they would be able to get stuff over there because we've got the internet. you can order anything on the internet you can you can find it and order it and have it sent like that d v d the one I've got here. Are you being served again has just arrived from Florida, and it took about pff, week and a bit week and a bit to arrive, which is not bad, is it? Not bad at all, and so you you sort of look through everything. I don't know come on, maybe you can come up with some suggestions. What could he take? I would suggest, say a, you know some tea bags, twine it, but you can get twining's tea bags in America. You can get there's nothing you can buy here that you can't buy over there. What would you buy somebody to be quintessentially British? something that you go that that signifies. Perhaps we could send them a drunk or something from here. I can't think of anything else off the top of my head that would be quintessentially British that they can't get in America. Because I would think you could probably go into Macy's or any of these places and just find everything. So I don't know. I don't know what is a quintessentially British gift. Would have been, you know, some tea bags or some loose tea, but they can buy that in America. I suppose the fact you trudge it, and very mind you've got a packet in your suitcase as well. By the time you get there, the box will be all crumpled. By the time it's been thrown around on the airline a few times. I don't know. Uh, I saw the uh, Liberace film in Florida last week. Brilliant, says Wendy. Michael Douglas is superb. Thoroughly recommend to anybody who liked his music. Sad but funny as well. Yes, I mean I, I know the Liberace story very very well, and I think it's I think it's sad that they have. Uh, how do you turn that round? How'd you turn that around? Can you turn that picture around? Oh, is this? We've we been on the we've we been on the roof at Hampton Court Palace. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> we've been on the roof at Hampton Court Palace, and that's the uh, that's the view that Julie got. It's great up there. I love the rooftop tour. Got to be a member, but it's worth. In fact, my membership is just coming up. I've decided I'm going to buy the family membership in case I've got friends over, and then we can all get in for free because it's it's not very expensive. It's about eighty-five quid for a whole family, forty-five. For, uh, for one person, but the Rooftop Tour is brilliant. It really is. I can't recommend the Rooftop Tour enough. We'll take a quick break here. When we're back, we'll be talking about daytime television's latest smoking star.
0: LBC 97.3 This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back.
1: On Tuesday, we scoured the papers and you'll never guess who we caught smoking. Holly Willoughby. She puffs away like an old... like an old fag-ash Lil. I bet she stinks. I bet she stinks. There's a picture of her here puffing away on a cigarette and sipping at some wine. She went out with one of the blokes from Made in Chelsea. Somebody called... Er... Francis Boul. oh, I have no idea who he is, love. Uh, sort of the only one in it, Francis uh, I don't, I'm Even looking at him, I've got no idea who he is. Is he on the programme or something? Anyway, well, perhaps he's got a new agent. But anyway, here's Holly Willoughby puffing away on a fag. Oh, dear me. I bet Philip Scofield will be going, don't come anywhere near me, you stink. Because you can't get rid of it, get off your hair. If you've got long hair and everything like that. That's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Come on, stop it immediately. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC dot co dot UK. You mentioned the other uh, day, Steve, that presenters copy your work. Uh, it says, Well I was driving into Hampshire the other day and I picked up somebody on a on another radio station and he rolled off three stories that you've just been talking about. Coincidence? No. Absolutely not. It's I know more presenters who listen to this programme as they're going in to do their shows. Because it saves them having to trawl through the papers because they know damn well that I'm going to go and pick all the stories out that are important. And so they go in there and they phone ahead to the station Cat, because there's generally speaking nobody else there at this time of the morning. And they say, listen, Steve Allen did this story. Get get me that story. Get me the story of the pretty woman out. It was on MTV. Let's see just how ugly she is. And that that, that one will run this morning. I suspect as well, Talisa will be mentioned on a lot of radio stations. Holly Willoughby smoking. I mean, dear, poo, 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 poo. dirty old ashtray. Isn't that a shame? Because you look at her and you think, she looks so like she doesn't smoke. But you only got to look at poor old Ruth Langsford, and you look under her nose, and it's all, it's that wrinkly bit when you smoke. And I've said before, you know, she's a pretty woman, got everything going for her. Takes her life in her I should imagine, with Eamon, but there you go. And, <laughs> just climbing into bed. And uh, and you think shes yourself, don't smoke. But now I've discovered Holly Willoughby smokes as well. Oh, no. It's awful. I think that's quite sad. Actually, that's the only thing that's ruined my day. I don't. I don't have many things that ruin my day. I'm delighted to report that the Kardashians have lost about thirty million quid through bad investments. Yes. Sorry. Sorry to be so so mean about the whole thing, but you know that's it. Who's this here Al Pacino? I'd love to give. I'd love to interview Al Pacino. He would be an interview, wouldn't he? He would be a good interview. And uh, who's still moving and grooving it and still wearing the campus clothes in the business? Cliff Richard. Yes, he's wearing a pair of jeans with a red stripe down the side of them. I mean, he's 72. Now, I don't doubt Cliff's pulling power. I know that at Hampton Court, he is sold out, one of only a handful of people there, less than a handful, who have sold out their shows at Hampton Court. His fans are very, very passionate about him. But can somebody get him to wear some clothes that suit him, as opposed to these pansy-like clothes? I mean, have you ever seen a pair of blue jeans? He's 72. All right, you can wear blue jeans, but not with a red stripe down the side, dear. And sort of... And trainers. Can't, oh, just, it's not a good look. But he's, he's still getting on, and, and he still packs places out. And he still does a calendar. He does a calendar. You know, every year, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little bit later, I'm not, not supposed to tell you this, but uh, I'm going I'm to have to tell you, because I'd heard a rumour the other day of a person in this building, in this building here at Global, who is going to be making a calendar. You know, one of those strip-off calendar kind of things. Because I said to them yesterday, I said, "I said you're looking very ripped." That's a technical term for us people who go to the gym a lot. And uh, no, no, well, Clive, Clive Bull, <laughs> Clive Bull's doing a calendar with with, with Anthony Davis. <laughs> Actually, I've always advocated we should do an LBC calendar. I thought that'd be a real seller for Help for Heroes. Literally, we we all strip off, you know, and we're sort of photographed in. You know, sort of sepia. I, I quite like to be shot through Hessian, and and that would be a. a we could all hide behind Nick Ferrari, couldn't we? That'd be nice. <laughs> In fact, you probably could get the whole station behind Nick Ferrari, and uh, and I thought a calendar would be a really good idea. I've often said, you know, there should be an LBC calendar, and you and you take the the, the presenters and you get them photographed. You know, looking good. You know, I wouldn't have any problem taking my clothes off. <laughs> not many. And all right, try not to be sick try not to be ill just yet but i just think that'd be a really good seller wouldn't it the lbc nude calendar it could come in a brown paper bag or something have to buy it off the top shelf <laughs> i like that i like that idea in fact the more i think about it the more i'm going to go but i am going to tell you uh who this who this person is in this building who i think is is doing a calendar i'm, I'm pretty certain pretty certain um do you know what you keep in your loft? And Now, I know this for a fact, not in your particular loft, because I've quite clearly never been in your loft, but my godchildren, over the years, and they're now 18, 15 and 9, over the years, they've had what? Toys. What do you do with them? Yes, stick them up in the loft. And so, come Christmas, admittedly, they don't have toys now, because they're sort of... they're getting. But, I mean, Dan still has, has her, her toys at Christmas, because she's 9, she likes playing with toys, she's got all sorts of things like that. And, um... So and um so someone just sent me a text says "You want to see Dale naked i 've seen Dale naked every day, and uh, I forgot where I got to yes yeah, so, anyway, so she so at Christmas time, every Christmas, you take away a certain amount of toys, you put them up in the loft, and then she has new toys to play with for this Christmas because toys go out of fashion. They reckon that you know in your loft at the moment, if you've had kids that you've probably got about five hundred and eighty four quids worth of toys in the loft. The top five up there, the top five up there, um, is Barbie. I mean, if you've got a vintage Barbie, it can be worth 2,000 quid. I, a, a friend of mine collects Barbie. He's a, he's a bloke. He collects Barbie because if you keep them in their boxes, they're worth money. You know, it's only if you take them out. He it doesn't, it doesn't play with dolls, don't get me wrong. He's doing it as an investment. Scalextric... If you've got the 67-68 James Bond set with Aston Martins, 2,000 quid that's worth. 2,000 quid. Uh, the Sports Series Action Man with a football, 500 pounds. The Hornby regular little set with two carriages, 300. And Kaplunk. If you've got Kaplunk, you ever have a Kaplunk? You remember what it is? Have you played it? It's where, yeah, you pull the sticks. Out. Oh, well done, yeah. Did you ever do Jenga? I like Jenga. I thought that was quite a good game, actually. We had a garden set of Jenga. That was like Big Version. That was really posh. And my favourite uh, game was Pick Up Sticks. Did you have Buckaroo? was rubbish. Buckaroo was Council House. That was ridiculous. Did you have Buckaroo? Oh, you had had Buckaroo. Did you have Mousetrap as well? (laughs) I always wanted to play Mousetrap. I was scared of mice. I always wanted to play Mousetrap, but my brother used to hate it. He said, it takes too long to set up and it's rubbish. So I used to have... It's not a game, actually. I used to have a a, um, a ball clock. Did you ever see a ball clock? What it was, it came in a plastic box, and it was a series of um, little sort of runway things with ball bearings at the bottom. And every so often, a ball bearing would move up onto the next thing, and then when you got three or four on there, it would then tip, and they would all go to the next one. And then when it got to the top, it would tell it, and it read the time out. You would read your balls, and once you'd, you'd read them, you could tell the time of it. But the thing was, I used to have it in the bedroom, When all the balls got to the top, at the top of the hour, and you could say it's now six o'clock, and then you'd count the balls the next one down, it'd be 12 minutes past six or whatever it happened to be. They all dropped down. The noise was enough to wake the dead. Even with the cover on, I would throw myself out of bed with abandon, going, what the hell is that? And it turned about to be the balls in my clock. We used to have that. But I used to play pick-up sticks. Did you ever play pick-up sticks? Pick-up sticks was good. They were like giant cocktail sticks, all in different colours, and you held them in your hand, and then you dropped them. And the idea was that the colours were worth money, and you would have to pick one up without disturbing the other ones. Pick-up sticks. Producers, look at me. He's he's heard of Kaplunk, and he's heard of all these other things, but he's never heard of that. He's like Buckaroo, I ask you. Buckaroo, generally played by people who've got a burnt-out car in the front garden (laughs) and fish fingers in the fridge. We had a long discussion about fish fingers the other day with Harry. Uh, Anyway, so if you've got any of those toys in the loft, they're worth money. They're worth serious money. I'm just trying to find out who's actually... Sorry, I've just... With, with people. It could be Duncan Barks, actually. It could be. Hasn't he got home yet? I think it... I think it is Duncan Barks. Does he go to the South? Oh, it's a long journey for him, isn't it? Oh, he's the website. I must put his name in, because every time it comes up... But then he. But when then when he says, you want to see Dale naked, and that's why I said, I've seen Dale naked. You know, over the years, but if you've known somebody. Oh, that's Pop-Up Pirate. How interesting. Do you push the um, the head down? Ah right, and then you take out the swords. Ah, right, that's quite a good game. We used to play did you ever play um I think it was called Bomb. And what it was was a plastic toy and you wound the top up and it started going and then you pass it on to somebody. It's a bit like pass the parcel and this thing then went bang at the end, just to frighten you. You know, we had to give it to my auntie Enid. God dear I tell you. That's I think that was the reason she became incontinent. But anyway, um <laughs> she hadn't been abroad for ages. If anybody's stripping for a calendar, says Kevin the Mill, but please let it be Julie Hartley Brewer and not Nick Ferrari. He says, sorry, Sheila, I know you'd want the Nick calendar. <laughs> it's a stepney sunrise this morning. It's beautiful here, isn't it? Well, I say it's beautiful. I'm looking at scaffolding. Not the most exciting view I've ever had in my life. But, I mean, you know, scaffolding and no scaffolding. I don't care. Uh, Kaplunk, should have been called Gravity, had an exciting TV ad. The reality was mind-numbingly dull. Uh, James says, smoking is a filthy habit, but at least Holly Willoughby has got the lungs for it. Thank you. Uh, Steve, I recently threw out, when moving house, kaplunk and battling tops. from the Do you remember battling tops? That was quite a good one. You had a little, like a spinning top, and they were in there, and you pulled the handle, and they spun in the middle, and then you could knock somebody else's top out. No. That's called something different. No, it was called battling tops. What do you mean something different? On the estate where you grew up, what did you call it? You can't remember. I think it was, you couldn't afford it, could you? But you could nick it. So, there you go. But, I mean, I know it was, it, I'm sure it was called Battling Tops. Try, try Battling Tops on the internet. And I'm sure there'll be a picture. They were brightly coloured things. I seem to remember. I could be wrong on that. But that's how you identified your one. Now, that's Pop-Up Pirate. OK? But a bit excited over Pop-Up Pirate now. And, um, so Battling battling Tops. And I, th- I think Battling Tops. There you go. Oh, there we go. Look, you see, that was it. And you get, we've got these pictures on there. I'm making me dizzy now. And Dizzy Dan... Tricky Nicky, Super Sam, Smarty Smitty, and Twirling Tim, a Hurricane Hank. You can tell that must be the American version. Have you ever heard of anybody called Smitty in this country? I don't think so. Going back briefly to uh, Alex Jones, desperately trying to make a name for herself on The One Show, and the name she's making for herself is Dull, I'm afraid, which is not so good. Uh, She says that Pamela Anderson was the worst ever guest. She said she was Tricky she stared at the monitor the whole time to see how she looked, so wasn't engaging in the conversation. Well, I mean, she's old and haggard, isn't she, now? She did pantomime, at Wimbledon, I don't think she'd ever done pantomime before. But, of course, uh, the, the one thing that Alex Jones has got in common with, uh, with Pammy Vacant-Anderson is that um, is they both dated, apparently, the same person, Steve Jones. Oh, three boring people in the same room. I couldn't cope with it. It's hard enough being in the same room as my producer. I jest. Don't forget, I don't. In half an hour, you'll hear from the hilarious Lisa Riley and the dashing Matthew Reese as they join me for In Conversation. But now, the latest news at 5.30.
0: LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen.
1: Morning. You're listening to the best bits of Steve Allen this Sunday morning. Coming up in half an hour, I'm in conversation with Lisa Riley, who will be telling us about her mother, who unfortunately passed away a few weeks before her star turn on Strictly, and actor Matthew Reese, who tells me about portraying Mr Darcy. Back to my best bits, and pie was on the agenda this week, not on my show, but on Duncan's. do Jewish dunk. Oh, I love the way Duncan does it, and then he walks out the building, and because I'm left sitting here for the next two and a half hours thinking I could just go a chicken curry pie now. I'm going to buy him one today. It'll be it'll be ten pounds, nine pound ninety nine. But it's 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 beautifully made. It's really nice. And then all he's got to do is heat it up. You can't eat it cold. And it's packed full of chicken. It's not like one of these. And they do a beef and ale. I might buy him a few actually. I might sort of push the boat out. It could be a belated birthday present for him or something like that. Don't tell him for God's sake. We're never at the end of it. I don't have to sort of have to thank me personally for these things. But I could get him steak and ale and the, and the chicken curry because I mean you could eat one by yourself. Even though it says family pie on it. Ooh, lovely. And then everybody talking about pie. Oh, dear, I can't believe... There was a great episode of Pie in the Sky where um, they uh, have... I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they they have a a restaurant and they sort of talk about pies. And he meets this lady who makes, apparently, the best pies. And uh, it was a very good episode. Just food. The whole thing was food all the way through. Absolutely wonderful. But uh, I can't think of the best pies. I wouldn't buy... Any pies in a supermarket now, and the reason I wouldn't, as I as I've said before, is that um, I don't know what's in it. You know, we we've had supermarkets before saying it's all beef, and it turns out to be horse. You know, we've had lots of these kind of things, and I don't know what rubbish they actually put in this stuff. So I don't. I only buy pies from farm shops because then you can guarantee that uh, that what you're buying is made on the farm. They actually have their own abattoir at this particular farm shop. They have their own cattle. They're fed on grass. They kill them, they slaughter them, and then they're made into pies and their own chickens. They don't buy anything in. They don't need to. Whew. Anyway, apart from that, yeah, it was too hot yesterday. Too hot. I can't bear the heat. And everybody goes, oh, isn't it great, the heat? And I'm the only one going, I really don't like it. Somebody said to me the other day, you know, do you listen to radio? And I, I had to admit that I don't listen to radio. I'm not, I'm not a radio person, strange. I'm in it. It's like working in a sweet shop, you know, or working in a shoe shop. You don't go home and go, mm, nice shoes and go through your wardrobe. Mm, I wouldn't wear those heels. That kind of stuff. You don't take your work home with you, do you? But I know a lot of people in the business and they know everything about it. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the business, which is probably patently obvious, isn't it? But I, I don't. I, I don't I have. I've got friends of mine who know more about radio than I do and can tell you who worked here and who worked there. I don't know anything like that. I don't know anything at all. I'm sort of, I'm in a little island all by myself. Anyway, I did, I did come in and laugh this morning. I had to laugh, I'm afraid, because it was, otherwise I'd have, I'd have cried at a glitzy showbiz bash. They always have these glitzy showbiz bashes. And, um, and I think they all sit round in the office and they go, all right, let's make up some awards, shall we? Um, let's, sort of, let's sort of come up with uh, the best band, the best writer, the best fashion designer. And so these were the Glamour Awards. And so laughingly, and I have to say laughingly, Victoria Beckham was Woman of the Decade decade. I mean, good grief, ladies and gentlemen. Woman of the decade. And then in her acceptance speech, um, she says here, um, she says, there aren't enough women out there who support other women. That's what we should do, support each other. That's why I'm here to... This was the girl who turned up late for the Spice Girls. Doesn't talk to them. You know, she's off by herself doing her own thing. Spice Girls get back together again. I don't bloody well think so. You know, she turned up late... <laughs> sufficiently late so she gets separate pictures. She looks miserable all the time. Woman of the decade? They must be having a laugh. But anyway, of course, loads of people were there because all these celebrities, you've only got to massage their ego a little bit. Ooh, like putty in your hands, ladies and gentlemen. So the likes of Pixie, Pixie Geldof, for God's sake. What was she there for? Pixie Geldof? God, grief love. Go home, stay there. Dizzy Rascal, Michael McIntyre, Chris O'Dowd, and so the, the women of the women, winners of the Glamour Women of the Year Awards in association with Pandora, whatever that is. What's Pandora, for God's sake? None of us know round here. Are we supposed to know? And so I think they sit there in the office. Who can we get in there? And they give awards to. So here we go. The Editor's Special Award, Jessie J. For what? For what? For doing her job? Entrepreneur, Mylene Class. The blatant, flagrant abuse of the rules on television by flaunting her own bikini range. Uh, who else have we got here? Presenter Claire Balding. Well, of course, dear. Who else? When you think of women, do you think of um, radio personality Jamila Jamil? Who? Who's that? Oh, never even heard of her. Oh, does the ch- never even heard of her? Poor soul. Writer Miranda Hart—that's the best they could come up with. Miranda Hart, out of all those women who sweat buckets over novels and sell millions, Miranda Hart—you know, very sweet, but dear God, band, out of all the bands, but who's in town? Who's available? Who isn't pregnant or giving birth? Oh, the Saturdays, Pandora Breakthrough—we don't know what Pandora is, I'm afraid. Somebody called Samantha, Box, sportswoman Nicola Adams—what does she do? She's a boxer. Oh, dear. First female girl. Is she boxes. It's a bit butch, isn't it? Female boxer. I'm not sure about that. Um, Theatre actress Helen McCrory, solo artist Rita Ora and filmmaker Rashida Jones. But, of course, it's the, the, the laughing one is woman of the decade Victoria Beckham. For doing what? So she takes her mum and her son with her to the awards ceremony and then comes up with this pants speech about, you know, women should, um, you know, there aren't enough women out there who support other women. Well, I think you'd be top of the list. I should imagine. They are, they are so funny, all these awards, because what they do is I think they, they sit there and in an effort to sort of get people in, So what you do is you go, well, Victoria Beckham's going to be there, Kylie Minogue's going to be there, and that spins off. I told you the story that a friend of mine used to work for a hospital radio station, and in an effort to get celebrities in to be interviewed, because you can't get celebrities in for a hospital radio station, they don't want to go there. So he made up an awards ceremony, voted for by himself. He'd go through the papers, he'd go, uh, for example, to Lisa... And he'd then get Talisa's agent's address, and he would have a scroll made up, uh, which he, he sort of got printed up, and he sent it in a tube, and it said, you know, you, Talisa, you have been voted best breakthrough artist, best best woman of the year, you know, best whatever it happens to be. And he would send it off, and then he would follow it with two days later with a request for an interview so she could gloat in how brilliant she was. I've just made up the name Talisa, OK? There is somebody called Talisa, but he never sent her anything because she wasn't around at the time. And, um... And they, they never refused. So he would get telephone interviews with all these big people because their ego was being massaged from behind. He'd go, I think you're really... And I said to Rupert here I said exactly the same. If somebody, you know, sent you in a scroll from a hospital radio station going, you know, we really think you're fantastic. We've listened to you overnight for ages and ages and your news reading's exemplary and we think you're really stunningly good-looking and you're wonderful and rich. OK, two out of three ain't bad. And so then they sent him in a scroll and then a day later they phoned it up you know, that she phone up and say, Is there any chance we can have an interview with you, Rupert, on news reading and how to do it and things like that. He'd be there like a shot. Because it's because you're telling somebody, you know, if I, if somebody said to the producer, it's unlikely, but if somebody said to the producer, you know, you're you're very talented and good-looking, again, one out of two, you know, it's it's a case of, it's massaging somebody's ego, so it's naught out of two. So what they actually do with these celebrities, they go, so who's actually in town? OK, kind of a minute, she'll come for a free dinner. And uh, who else will come for a free dinner? Chris O'Dowd will go. Oh, Pixie Geldof will be there anyway. It's free, isn't it? And there's a camera. And they go, who are you, darling? I'm Pixie Geldof. What do you do? Sorry? What do you do? I don't actually do anything. I'm a socialite. Yeah, right, love. Apparently, Pandora are a jewellery company. I'm sorry. I've heard of De Beers. I've heard of all these big names. I've never heard of Pandora. I've heard of a presenter called Pandora, but I've never heard of a, a jewellery company. So there you go. So that was the uh, that was the the Glamour Awards. As I say, the massaging of... I mean, Victoria Beckett, woman of the decade. I mean, I ask you. You know, somebody who's contributed something, for God's sake... You know, somebody who saved people. Woman of the decade. For the last ten years, what's she done? She's trailed around after Dave. She doesn't do any drawings. She doesn't actually do anything like that. It's just, you know, they, they've sort of, they've practically invented her. As a person, they get a oh, Victoria Beckham. So she goes around with these over-made-up sort of big glasses on and bell-bottom trousers, which went out in the 70s. You can't reinvent something that's been in and out already. That's very naff. So she took her mum, Jackie. So that's all right. I don't have a problem with Jackie going out for a free dinner. That's okay, but it's just you know actually accepting the award. I think it's hilarious. I remember when the Beatles turned down their awards from the Queen, you know, because they didn't want to be seen to be pandering to the establishment. And Victoria Beckham for actually accepting, actually believing that she's Woman of the Decade is even more hilarious. Perhaps Dave will give her one of his special smiles. It's the, uh not sure, says Bev, about Victoria Beckham as Woman of the Decade. Poor old Brooklyn, looked totally cheesed off. But I hope I look like Joan Collins when I'm 60 years old, never mind 80. Absolutely un- I know, for- you wouldn't believe it, would you? You wouldn't believe it. The older some of these people get in the business, you know, like Barbara and people like that, the better they look. The better they look. I mean, I've, I've you know, I've been close up with these people. They look good. They look good. Joan Collins for 80. 80. Good God, in I hope I live long enough to enjoy that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I don't want to be Joan Collins. I don't, you know, think I'm sort of start cross-dressing or something like that. Uh, Noreen says, hope you managed to see the Royal Service. I did. I thought it was good. I didn't like some of the dreary choir offerings. I thought they were a bit tedious. And, uh, but I, I like watching that sort of ceremony because I, I think we actually do it very, very well. But some of, some of the choir stuff was a little bit boring. Let's just show some of his pictures. Look at that. Don't they look like me? Don't they look like me? Don't you think so? Is Chris got, Does all oh, right. Don't you think so? I think... The, the vague, you know, little similarities. Yeah, all right, so we've both got no hair. Not exactly the kind of thing I was looking for, really. So, anyway, so uh, the Queen looked very good. Prince Philip looked marvellous. Prince Andrew pitched up with his two daughters. <sighs> Yawnsville. And then there was Wills and uh, and the pregnant wife. And then... Poor Harry, who's the dipstick on the outside. You know, it's a case of, here's William, here's William's lovely wife, who's pregnant, and here's Harry again, you know, who tags along like the spare part. You know, by now, surely, he must have been able to find a girlfriend that he can present to the British public. But the truth of the matter is, he can't. Because if he takes a girl to something like this and introduces her to the Queen... I mean, some of the people he's been out with of late, you really wouldn't want to introduce them to the royal family. They're not suitable people they would need to be vetted. So whoever he takes is going to have to be the person that he's probably going to marry. But as Harry's a bit flighty, you know, he does drift from one to the other. There's no danger anytime soon. So Harry's going to be turning up like the here's William, here's his gorgeous wife, Catherine, and oh dear, here's Harry again all by himself, but uh, at least he's upright. So that's uh, that's a good start. What will Catherine have a girl? I think so noreen I think girl. That's what we were all pinning our hopes on. I spoke to somebody yesterday who said, no, I think it's up in the air. I said, well, I thought it was going to be a girl. Let's wait and see, shall we? Yes, it's been a long wait too. Come on, Kate, we want to see the royal baby. Let's take a quick break. When we're back, I reminisce about the good old days at LBC
0: 97.3. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with the best of Steve Allen. Welcome back.
1: My generosity didn't just stop with pie for Duncan, I also gave him another present. And I've given him some instant mashed potato. It sounds disgusting, I know. I've spoken to people before. I remember having a, a discussion with James O'Brien's producer, Lucy, who I've known for years. And we had a little taste testing one time. She said. Uh, She said, you can taste the difference between real mashed potato and reconstituted mashed potato, you know, the stuff that you make up. And I said, you can't, I promise you. So she made some mashed potato at home, and I made some instant mashed potato, uh, which is American, but I buy it in Costco, and it comes in a box of about 10 packets or something like that. And all you do is you put it into a a jug, fill it it with hot water, stir it all round, and then you add a good knob of butter. And I defy anybody. Anyway, she couldn't tell the difference. She couldn't... Ta- in fact, if anything, mine actually tasted better than hers did. But it was, it was quite interesting. So I've given Duncan two packets of that, because I think mashed potato is very nice. And in fact, first thing in the morning, it's an easy thing to make when you get in. You don't have to start... You know, you just boil up a kettle, pour it on. Sorry, it's making my mouth water. And then you, uh, you have the mashed potato with perhaps some grated cheese and a tin of beans over the top of it. And that's quite nice. And then, only yesterday, we were talking about Michael Jackson's daughter... And this is Paris, rushed to hospital after reportedly slashing her wrist with a cleaver in a suicide bid. And you must think to yourself, I should imagine, growing up in that family, your mind must be all over the place. I mean, you know, at 15 to do something like that, I find it bad enough when I read stories here of kids at school who've been bullied, they've come home and they've hanged themselves. You've got to be really, really depressed To want to do something like that. It's not, you know, it's not even the cry for help like Stephen Fry. You know, if he'd been found by his producer, that was fine. But, you know, these people, they do things. So, anyway, she's been taunted at school in California. Proving, as I've said all the time, that you get little nasty people all over the world at school. Kids can be very, very cruel. Very, You think adults can be cruel? Oh, God, no. Kids can be far crueler. And once you get it and you become like poison at school... Then all of a sudden, you know, so this poor girl at 15, bullied at school. I mean, frankly, you want to go around and get... Which which ones? Who's been bullying? You. Come here. You're expelled. You? You're expelled. You know, don't mess around with it. We've said before on the programme, if you're being bullied at school by other kids, you go and name and shame. If the teachers don't do anything, you take it higher. You take it higher. You know, it's, it's just, it's garnering evidence and stuff like that. But once a bully, always a bully at school. We had bullies at our school. And you tend to find it was the people who were bullied who then become the bullies. That's they are always sort of getting their own back. They're generally weak, pathetic people. There's something missing in their brain. Something, sorry, I was going to say something missing between their ears. It would be the brain, I think. And, and so for Paris uh, to have to, to go through this. I mean, she apparently left a note. And called a suicide hotline. That's how depressed she was. She obviously thought, "I don't want to go to school. And I can imagine who she got to talk to. Who has she got to talk to? Her dad's dead. You know, her brother's off you know forging a career. Who's she got to talk to? Some old woman, old Mar Jackson. who wants to t- she's 85 or something. What can you talk to her about? Nothing. She doesn't understand what kids go through. She's got no idea at all. It's so terribly depressing. And you feel sorry for her, really, because you feel like... Because there's nothing you could say to her that would make her feel any better about life. Nothing at all. Which is a shame. Today arrived my little my little gimmick, which I saw uh, the other day. And I, was, I, was so imp- I saw it and I thought, can't be much cop, can it? And what it is, it's an in-car camera. It's a camera that a lot of people now have... Fit- In America, they seem to have them fitted as standard because it's a case of if you have an accident... You, you say this car just swerved in front of me, and people get yeah, right. And so this little device that I bought is an onboard camera and recorder, and it's tiny. I mean, it's that I'm showing, showing the producer just how big it is. It's that that big, okay? You charge it up. It's got a little screen that you pull down. So what you do is you sort of you turn it uh, on. Makes a little noise. There you go. That was it. That was a little noise, and it says welcome you've got a little tiny screen on there, which is fantastic. And it records. You put a an ST card or whatever they call it in there. And it records whatever's going on in front of the car. So I thought, I'll order one of these things. You know, see what it's like. And it's only cheap plastic. But to be honest with you, you don't actually need anything that's too sort of flash. Because it's a little tiny uh, little tiny camera at the front. And a little tiny screen, which is probably, I don't know, two inches by an inch and a half. Or, so, or two inches by two inches. Thirty quid. 30, I mean, it's so cheap, and it could also save you an awful lot of time and trouble if you're involved in an accident. And when I discovered, I went online to Amazon, and I typed in, I, thought, I forget what it was I typed in, but it's car camera or something. There's loads of them, and some of them are even cheaper than this one. And this one's come from a company up uh, near um, uh, Heathrow Airport. So I was quite pleased with it. When I turned it on, I thought, oh, it'll be rubbish, won't it? I remember years ago ordering a security camera for the uh, for the house... And what came back was basically a baby alarm, which was rubbish. It was absolute rubbish. And I trekked all the way to this company to buy it. And I mean, I should have known better, actually. The moment I got there, it was like an office block and they had, they'd rented a room. And it was about £100. it was rubbish. I've still got it. It's rubbish. It's absolutely it's rubbish. Because you can get so many better surveillance cameras now. And this one's quite good. So I'm going to try it in the car and see what it looks like. See if I can record stuff. Then you can play it back onto your computer. Which is brilliant, isn't it? So in case of an accident, not that I have accidents, but in case there was an accident, I could then go and check it all out. So that was very good. Actually, I knew there was something that was going to cheer me up this morning. In the, um, the Only Ways Essex Marb special, which is turning out to be the biggest bore under the sun, Joey Essex dumps fiance Sam for ears in an emotional Towie special. I mean, who cares, honestly, the girly boy and the, uh, the attention-seeking Sam for ears, and so they, they just argue. They just argue. And if you argue that much, you know, stop it, because they all think that they're really clever and they all think that they're really big and they all think that they're sort of marvellous and that they're intelligent, and they're not... They're just very, very ordinary people. I mean, very... Actually, this Saturday, I might go to Brentwood and go and have a look at his little shop, see if he's actually working. I suspect he probably doesn't work in there at all because he's too busy being a celebrity and jetting around all over the country. And uh, I go to Brentwood quite a bit, actually, and I'm going down there this weekend with my godchildren, so I might suggest that on a Saturday. Let's go shopping in Brentwood. Let's not. Let's not take the Bentley. Uh, Those cheap cameras, says Les, in Stortford, are okay till he played them back. The quality's awful. Well, I mean, this is high-definition. This is high def. And, in fact, we looked at it upstairs. The camera quality is fantastic. And it depends on what uh, what card you put in it. You know, you put a nice card in there. It's only... It, it's, it shouldn't... Uh, there shouldn't be any trouble with this one at all. If there is, of course, it goes straight back. <laughs> Because I'm very good at things like that. Uh, there's also the romantic uh, side. Mark Wright treating birthday girl Michelle Keegan to a jaunt in a rickshaw. Why does he just look uncomfortable? Why do you think that they're doing everything for publicity? He just looks as miserable as cinnamon and is. And treated her to a ride in a rickshaw? You cheap so-and-so. Treated her to a ride in a in a Rolls-Royce Phantom? Yes, for a birthday. In a rickshaw? Go oh, blimey, you cheapskate. Spend a bit of money, mate. Because, mind you, you might not have any money, mind you. I've never seen you wearing any sort of decent clothes. But uh, there they are in Manchester as they strolled along with a cameraman. We're now so wise to the cameraman trick, aren't we? We know that they go out with their own cameraman and they take them. Lots of people tell fibs, don't they? You know, I can be a really good presenter, you know. And then you you go, oh, right, you I remember years ago, I I, I got somebody, a job on LBC presenting an overnight programme. And they lasted all of three days. And and they, they phoned me up and I said, what you, why have you only lasted three days? And this, this person said, well, what do you talk about for three hours? I said, what do you talk about everything? You know, you pick up a set of newspapers. I always remember when I first started at LBC in uh, the year <coughs> 1900 and frozen to death, I remember distinctly doing the programme, and the programme used to be uh, a rerun of whatever had gone on during the daytime. So in those days it was all tapes. There'd be a whole stack of tapes out there for, for Monday, or in this case, it would be sort of yesterday's tapes. And you, the, the producer would go through them, make a list, and then we would what we call fill gaps. So you're filling 15-minute sections, and you go, well, I, there's one here on London Zoo, they've just had a panda born, whatever it was, and we go, how long's that? Uh, that's three minutes. OK, we'll have that one. And so we started filling up the programme, and all it was was a rerun of the daytime. You might as well have just played back somebody else's programme. It was so bloody boring. I mean, it was so dull. Great, of course, if you hadn't heard all the things that had gone on during the daytime. But for the rest of us, it was dull. And, so, and then we would run a whole Brian Hayes interview. If he'd had a, a big celebrity in, which he did most mornings, we would rerun that. We would cut it down a little bit. And out of, say, an hour, we would run 15, 20 minutes. It would fill a section. But it would always be a big star, big star. And, uh, and then after a while, I thought, I'll tell you what we do. We, we get the papers in. Why don't I just sit there and talk about the newspapers? So that's what I did. I started talking about the newspapers, and I would do what, the, what we called the newspaper review. And, the, and then the newspaper review gradually started taking over the programme. And so we would start the show at one o'clock in the morning, and we would, we would do the newspaper review. I could keep it going till three o'clock, easy peasy. No, no worries whatsoever. I could pick up one newspaper, I could make a newspaper last half an hour. Really, really easy. In fact, sometimes I'd get to the end of the programme, and I hadn't actually done... All the newspapers, and so then it became quite famous. The program overnight in London because we, we were looking at the newspapers and being fairly irreverent about some of the stories. Because I quite like the idea that you can poo-poo things, and the stories. The, oh, they found the woman in America who won the five hundred and eighty million dollars or whatever it was. She's eighty-four. She's eighty. How long is she going to live to enjoy it? She's 84. She's opted for the lump sum. You know, in America, you can either have that money spread over 25 years. I'm easily pleased, Twenty five really. little years. pleasures in life that Well, she's keep obviously going. decided. Well, those were my best bits you know, from the week. Be I'll be back long. tomorrow morning so so live. So she ended I'm up for the lump sum. I think with she's something, with then. Don't forget, something you can like that. download all the podcasts from the LBC she's website. She's Go to lbc.co. 84 And they've said even if she buy the most expensive house. In Florida, Coming up next time in conversation with Peter Tatchell, not be missed, like and, and uh, Charlie Higson on his latest book. And she make sure you stay tuned. Really for now, car. the latest news: got something like two hundred million dollars left. You know what's going to happen? She's a pensioner. She's 84. She's been living quite frugally in a very, very tiny little place. You know, you'd look at it and call it a hovel. Over there, they call it housing. And, and so she's over there, and she's fairly happy with things. All of a sudden, she's going to be eating rump steak and everything else. She'll choke. She'll be dead by Christmas. That's the way it works, I'm, afford- I'm afraid. And then you have to find out whether she's got any family left. Leave it all to a cat's home. Really, really annoy the family. That's, that's the best way. So she's got this, like, $300 million I'm so happy. I couldn't be happier. Why is it? Do you think, and, sh- and the reason she got it, she says, is because there was a man in front of her in the queue and he said, no, you, you go in front of me. So she got the ticket that he probably would have got. Whether the numbers would have been the same, we don't know, because the, it's a random generator. So and she said and that man let me go first. And so she ended up with the winning ticket. As I say, it's always somebody elderly, isn't it? It's always somebody very, very elderly, or, as I say, a caravan starting, caravan starting prestatin, generally somebody who it's not going to change me, I'm going to buy another caravan for my relatives, and that's always quite exciting. But, I mean, $300 million, I mean, you know, enjoy it, for God's sake, you've worked all your life, you've scrimped and saved, and now you've got so much money, you know, what are you going to, what the dickens do you do at 84 when you've got that much money? Whee! Facelifts, new hair, new toy boy, everything. Get out there, kick your heels up. You do whatever you want, love. You're 84, you've, you've earned that right. I just hope she spends the money well and enjoys it. I don't know where I'd start if I was given $300 million. Well, those were my best bits from the week. I'll be back tomorrow morning, live at four, so I look forward to talking to you then. Don't forget, you can download all the podcasts from the LBC website. Go to lbc.co.uk. You can always follow me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Coming up next time in conversation with Lisa Riley and Matthew Rees. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But now the latest news at six.